0: blog talk radio
1: welcome to evolving leaders the show that takes your dreams and passions from unmanageable to achievable every week our panel of experts brings together visionary influencers from around the globe to help you become extraordinary in your business and personal life and expand global change Put on your seatbelts and get ready to set the world on fire. Welcome to Evolving Leaders, brought to you by the Evolutionary Business Council. It is great to have you here. I am Bon Vivant business coach and entrepreneur, Tina Dietz, the founder of the Start Something movement, on a mission to ignite 10,000 thriving businesses. Today on the show, we are welcoming Jana Beeman of CreateYourDreamPractice.com, and Lisa Genza from the com. So thank you so much for joining us today, Jana and Lisa.
2: Glad to be thank here.
1: You. Awesome, awesome. Now today we're going to be talking about being uh, a leader in the miracle zone. You can hear my air quotes. So just from that title, you know it's going to be an interesting hour. But... Uh, have you met my spectacular co-host for today? It is Pam Bain, our communications expert who is also an investor and the director of operations for Wildflower Workshops and the Evolutionary Business Council. Pam, my dear, how are you feeling? I'm feeling fantastic. Thank you. Yay, I'm so glad to hear that. You'll be able to catch our other wonderful hosts Jill Fisher and Tamara Green on another show. We are uh we're we're trading off. We're spreading out the awesome from show to show. <laughs> <laughs> and every week we take turns. Oh my goodness, I've in my throat today. Every week we take turns sharing a piece of news from our areas of expertise for kind of a no hold barred, unscripted discussion. Pam, what do you have for us to chew on today? Well, uh, you know, I've, I look for one specific thing, but
0: there seem to be so many negative news items out there right now. And because um, and we're talking about uh, uh, miracle in the miracle zone, <laughs> it's like between uh, the issues in Europe and the Syrian refugees, the world economy, we have an election in Canada and it's one of the longest election platforms they've ever had. So it's like everyone says, can we just vote now? Um, and I know in the States, you have yours next year. Um, so there's lots of, let's call it sniping at each other <laughs> from the political point of views. Um So I just want to know has anyone got some great ideas about how we can stay positive? Um, like, how can we, you know, how can we not be? We can see the news, but not be affected by it. So, you know, so that we can still go out and create positive change in the world. Tina, what's your take?
1: Well, I have kind of a strict policy of not directly watching news. I pretty much don't <laughs> allow myself uh, to do that because it's very easy, especially, you know, once you know something about media, it's you can't unknow it. And one of the things I know about media is that they are there to get listeners. And uh, in, in that sense, so it's in their best interest to sensationalize things. So I only have a few trusted news sources that I will occasionally go to if I want to learn more about a topic but I actually filter through my news through uh, other people that I trust who um, can kind of just give me bits and pieces or I'll, I'll research specific pieces, but I won't just randomly turn on the news or open a paper or something like that just to see what the news is because to me that's, um, that really is hard to manage your energy inside of that. Okay, great. And what yes, I have guys, to admit, that's... I
0: usually don't listen directly to the news. Oftentimes, I find if it's a really good thing or a really bad thing, people uh, tell you what's going on. Um, uh, and and I just happened to be looking this week, and and it wasn't a good thing. So back to the format of not watching the news, um, Jenna, because I know you do coaching. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, around, I know, and it's mainly around business, but do you know? You can't just do business. Life happens within, you know, business, I should say, happens within life. So do you have (laughs) any ideas or
1: thoughts?
2: Well, you know, because part of my direction is really working with mindset and thought patterns, I really do agree with the unplugging from the news format. Um, I always know that my news grapevine is going to tell me if there's anything going on that I absolutely need to know about. And one of my other practices is I start every day with a meditation for the good of the world, and I see everything in the most positive possible light, not not necessarily utopia, but you know some of the things that I know that are happening that are not happy, starting to clear up and just seeing the threads untangle, and that helps keep me focused on what I can impact and not buy into the negativity.
0: Okay. And um, are there any techniques you could suggest to any of our listeners, apart from not listening to the news?
2: Well, on, on the meditation like, side, what what I visualize is that the news is all a great big knot. And hmm. some of it is true and some of it is not true. So I always start by shaking out the knot and watching all the debris fall away. And once the debris is gone, it's possible to start untangling those threads and many of the threads are not important and can be let go. And then the pieces that are left can be straightened and ironed out and kind of allowed to flow the way they were meant to. Okay.
0: Okay. And Lisa, because I know you've done a, a great deal of coaching with your clients. Yeah, uh, and absolutely. Sure yeah. So um, yeah. And do, you, do you have something similar or do you take a different route? Um, Surrounding ourselves
3: with like-minded people, um, I really encourage my clients to look at where they're spending their time and to seek out like-minded groups. Um, So finding groups, either meditation groups or yoga groups or dance or um, some form of activity or at least um, communing with people who are like-minded, heart-centered individuals who are seeking um, evolution who who don't want to remain stuck in what the news and the media are telling us. And um, people are looking for that. I know my clients are looking for that. They're looking for the like-minded, heart-centered individuals. So I often encourage them um, to look at the activities they're participating in and the people they're surrounding themselves with.
0: Okay, and uh, I know you have children too, Tina, so uh, how, uh, well, sorry, Tina and uh, Lisa both have children. Um, How do you deal with this, you know, the negativity with kids too, because some of the things on TV are pretty graphic.
3: They sure are, Um, and my kids are now adults. My youngest just turned 18 this summer, (laughs) so (laughs) I have an 18 and a 20-year-old. It's so exciting. I made it. It's like I arrived. Um, But it's more important, I think, for us to explain to them to unplug and to go within and to surround themselves with like-minded people in a Mm -hmm. phase of their life when they're more influenced by peer pressure. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have the same message for them, and I also teach my children to to look within and to not get uh, roped into what they're hearing in the media.
1: Okay. And anything to add to that, Tina? Yeah, mine are much younger. My son is nearly 11. My daughter just turned nine. So a different age group. Um, Their ears are still wide open towards us. We're still, you know, extremely cool as parents. So I'm hanging on to that (laughs) as long as it lasts. (laughs) Make a note in the calendar. They think I'm still cool today. Yeah. Yes. And my son even says, I'm never going to be like one of those teenagers that doesn't like your mom. I'm like, sign this. Just sign (laughs) it. Yeah. I want to hear you say that. Um, Very cool.
0: I was going to say the next part of this is, how do we get more positive and creative things in the news? Um, because that's it, right? If, if all they can go out and find is, is the sad and depressing stuff, how do we create more positive news? Because like, there's a lot of positive things going on in the world, um, and sometimes you know you hear about it in your local community. Any suggestions around that? Anyone? Someone jump in. Well,
3: we have a thing in our house and uh after studying law of attraction and working on my own mindset, we started a practice in our house of celebrating everything. And so, um we said, Woohoo, feet off the floor. So it started with I would tell the kids you have to yell woohoo and jump up and down and and I said, Feet <laughs> off the floor and so now I get text messages like, Got the job, woohoo and the next text message says, Feet off the floor So I think it starts with our own personal attitude or consciousness, right? Instead of still seeking outside of us for validation or for.
0: Hello, Lisa. Did we just oh. lose you?
1: Oh, uh, she'll come back on. I let's yes. just uh, continue because I love that idea. Sure. I'm going to piggyback onto it. Um sure. And what I was saying about the kids uh, earlier, uh, reinforcing what Lisa said, is these kind of pieces, uh starting with ourselves. Um, are as as good for us as they are for our children because the reason that news impacts us so much is we may not have that reserve of resilience um, to be able to put that layer of kind of emotional protection between us and what's happening in the rest of the world because we want to be able to feel compassion. We don't want to numb out to the needs happening and at the same time, we also need to maintain a boundary that allows us to not get dragged into um, what could be very, very weighty and feeling like it's coming at us on kind of on all sides. You know, similar, to, you know, going back to what uh, Jana was saying earlier about practices like meditation. Um, you know, those are the kinds of things that um, are are appropriate and I think necessary for everyone. Jana, what do you think on the
2: well, I agree, and the other thing that pops up for me is that what you focus on increases. It's a universal loss. You decide you're going to get a red car. All of a sudden, you're going to see hundreds more red cars than you have ever seen before, and so when you shift your attention from the negative to the positive and just look at the things that are good and keep that focus, it really can start to change your perception of the world and the experiences that you have in it.
0: Awesome. Um, sorry, my computer just froze with all my notes. <laughs> so, it's like, technology is not my friend it's today. It's
1: unscripted, Pam. It's oh, unscripted. No. Well,
0: I want to go because we still <laughs> still get up the next day. We still still, you know, try to make a difference. I want to share a quote, um, uh, which I think is great, and it's about courage, and it's by Mary and uh, Red Hershey, and it's courage doesn't always roar sometimes courage is the little voice at the end of the day that says i'll try again tomorrow and i think around the news i think every day if we each try again to create more positivity in the world and in our communities i think that's all really each of us can do and it does have a profound effect in the end that's very i chill, wanted a great quote yeah uh lisa did you manage to join us back I did, I did. Yay. Love. So
2: did you Love have anything
0: <laughs> else,
3: Um, No, but that does go along with uh, the, having our children look within and having courage to step out and be who they want to be, not what society thinks they should be. Um, and I think that um, we create our own um, surroundings, our own opportunities through our mental disposition, which is just a fancy way of saying law of attraction, right? But Um, by elevating our own consciousness and raising our own vibration we will create the opportunities and circumstances around us.
0: Yeah. And I know this is a sidebar, but I know I've I've read studies where, uh, and this is actually on Botox, people have had Botox and kind of had that permanent smile on their face uh, when it's done properly. Anyway, they've shown that, that because they appear happier, people treat them as happier. So they become happier because people are treating them as happier. Wow. So I'm not recommending you go out and get botox, but <laughs> if we smile more and are more engaging, what is the 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 you know effect that we can change in the world? Um, that's that's
1: pretty funny Pam.
0: That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um <laughs> anyone else got anything to share like that cuz I I think that's funny. It's just like smile at everyone.
1: Uh, <laughs> I think it goes that goes back around to the whole fake it till you become it. Uh like yeah. the the very uh now I would say famous TED talk by Amy Cuddy on power poses and uh, body language. Um, You know, if if the more you smile and the more you have a positive um, stance in your body and your physicality, the more that bleeds over into not just how the world perceives you, but our own body chemistry, brain, brain chemistry and uh, helps us out. Cool. Very cool. Um, Yeah.
0: And my computer's unfrozen, so yay. Anyway, yeah. what we're going to do, take is is uh, actually, Tina, you've got something yeah. amazing oh, yeah. to share
1: here. I always have something amazing to share. No. That's just the way I roll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a question for our audience today uh, and our listeners. So are you a solo business owner out there trying to make it or making it all on your own? It can be kind of lonely as a solo business owner out there. So I have an invitation for you to come and join the Super Starter Tribe over at the Start Something Show, where we're on a mission to ignite 10,000 thriving businesses. You can catch our fun and informative weekly show, get tools and resources to help you thrive and be a Super starter. You don't need a cape. You don't need extra powers just be you. So start something now and go to www.thestartsomethingshow.com and join the Superstarter Tribe for free. It's www.thestartsomethingshow.com. Cool.
0: Now, yeah. I've got something wonderful to share, too. Uh, one of our uh, co-hosts who's not on the show today, Tamara Green, uh, she has a 21 days to self-love meditation experience. So are you lonely? Are you still waiting for your soulmate to come into your life? Well, in order to have wonderful love, you must be wonderfully in love with yourself. In other words, you set the bar on love. Uh, And I have to admit, Tamara is my my, friend, and uh, she is also a love expert. So uh, she's created this powerful program that will rewire your brain to authentically self-love. And yes, it's called 21 Days to Self-Love Meditation Experience, which will completely set you up for the loving relationships of your dreams. If you want more than one, that is. Uh, You deserve that. So go to tamaragreen.me and visit her shop page today
1: uh, for the uh, 21-day program. Cool. Cool. Thanks, Pam. Awesome. Well, if you're just joining us today, our visionary leaders are Jana Beeman and Lisa Jenza and I am about to have a chat here with Jenna. Let me tell you a little bit about who she is in the world. Jana Beeman is Jana Beeman's a cool lady. <laughs> Jana Beeman specializes in helping <laughs> leaders and entrepreneurs move past blocks, brainstorm solutions, dissolve fears, and step into their power while creating systems and processes to assure long-term business success which is, of course, what we all want. Jana is president of the Vancouver Holistic Chamber of Commerce and the owner of Create Your Dream Practice Business Coaching, as well as a coach and business trainer for several international coaching schools. And you can find out more about Jana and work with her through createyourdreampractice.com. Jana, thanks for being on the show today.
2: I am just thrilled to be here.
1: It's always great to connect with you, my dear. Um, Yeah. Uh, you know, we're talking about uh, leadership and leadership in what we're calling the miracle zone. Uh, you have a, a strong background um, as a practitioner yourself, and in and, and more recent years as a coach and someone who's helped a lot of um, solopreneurs and folks who are practitioners in the um, solopreneur and holistic fields. What made you want to focus on these folks who are healers and in the holistic professions?
2: Well, you know, honestly, it came from being on the inside because, you know, back several years ago, I went through, um, well, short story version is my ankle broke down and I was on my couch kind of feeling sorry for myself and I thought, okay, this is not working so I went back to school. I got my holistic nutrition certification, and while I was doing that, I started a study group because I had just moved to a new state. I knew nobody. I was completely isolated and sitting on my couch pretty much 24-7 except for physical therapy. And so I started the study group, and it quickly grew to over 100 people, and it came to the attention of the school, and I was able to make it to a conference. And I was called up on stage, so I hobbled up and told my story in front of 2,500 of my closest friends. And I really started to see how, especially holistic practitioners and coaches, we get so isolated in the work that we do. And it, it can be very, very difficult to keep perspective to And to keep giving that gift that we bring to the world and keep putting it out there. So while I do still practice as a health practitioner um, and a portion of my business is, is devoted to that, I love especially helping practitioners and other coaches, the people who impact other people because I can see from the inside out what their blocks are super easily, and I know where they tend to break down and where they tend to fall into self-doubt and starting to get to that place of giving up. And so for me, reigniting that passion for them is worth its weight in gold.
1: Let's talk a bit more about some of the blocks that you that you do see, because um, do you think that practitioners in these areas, in these um tend to be more healing-oriented, heart-centered types of work. Do you think they have more difficulty owning that they are leaders specifically? Yes,
2: Yes. and as a matter of fact, I mean, even just offering to my holistic chamber of commerce that we will do this interview series, and I will interview them so that they can showcase their expertise, and everybody wants to do it, but when it comes time to actually setting up the interviews, they all keep opting out. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> so it, there is this huge fear, this huge fear of being visible because most of us are highly sensitive. We come from a background of being the odd duck, the black sheep, not necessarily the bad one, sometimes the only good one in our family, but we have tended to be invisible and that's how we've been most comfortable. And what I'm really seeing is that practitioners and coaches and heart-centered entrepreneurs have to get comfortable with stepping into the limelight and some of them do it by putting on their professional face and going out there all cold and stuffy and stilted and that doesn't work and some of them avoid it and that doesn't work but when we can move forward with this great blend of visibility and vulnerability where we're really truly who we are and we share our pain with the world to let them know they're not alone That's where we start to make a massive impact.
1: Yeah, I I totally, totally agree. Um, I found the same thing with the folks that I work with who are in this arena as well. It seems to be kind of endemic to the breed, you know, the folks who are really out there making a difference with people, healing them. Like you said, they tend to be highly sensitive people um, or, or, you know, coming from a background where being out in front was not – appreciate it. Let's put it that mm-hmm. way. So, Absolutely. what are some of the um if you have an example of a specific almost like a case study or some ways that um that folks can take a look at embracing being a leader as well as, you know, even in the space of being a healer.
2: Mhm. Well, you know, just for an example of how people can move past that fear of being visible, Um, In my own case, you know, I'm shy, I am introverted, I'm socially anxious, and I'm agoraphobic. And I am now, you know, an international public speaker, I probably do 100 radio shows a year, I do my own podcast, and I share really personal stories all over the place. And, It just came from, you know, practicing a little bit, just starting with smaller groups, although I kind of got trial by fire thrown into my nutrition conference with 2,500 people. And, you know, I I shared my my breast cancer scare and how I'm struggling with getting back on my feet after this injury and, and some of the fear and pain and stuff. And what happened was so many people came up to me afterwards and said, I so resonated with what you shared that that really helped me see that being vulnerable in that place is a powerful, powerful thing.
1: Yeah. that I think that's often gets stepped over the, the, the fact that vulnerability is so powerful in leadership that, you mm-hmm. know, stepping out and having the shiny suit on and the, you know, the shiny teeth and, you know, all of that. And Hey, you know, that kind of <laughs> sense mm-hmm. of you know, what we speak of sometimes with speakers is not uh, necessarily, you know, the people that they want to reach or, you know, it doesn't make any sense for them to be like that. Um, Right. Yeah, yeah. Now, I found that um, a lot of times um, practitioners in this arena or or a lot of solo entrepreneurs in general who are very good at what they do as practitioners don't necessarily view themselves, not just as leaders, but they don't view themselves as business people. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
2: problem is when, when you don't when you don't look at yourself as someone of authority then your business can't really grow and expand. And a lot of practitioners out there kind of came into it during a time where you could just hang up your shingle and people would show up at your business. And so they're relying on that that we're moving into a place where Businesses are grown by relationship marketing instead of just, if I build it, they will come, which no longer is working, and so a lot of those practitioners are closing their doors because they don't know how to go out and market, they don't know how to share what they do in an authentic way that draws people to them. And they so often, when they're called to be in a leadership role, they put on their starched jacket and, and become Joe Professional that is cold and uncaring, and that's just completely not attractive. So when they can find that space that says, you know, I'm really good at what I do, and I'm going to go out and share it with more people so that I can help more people heal, that's kind of where you need to step into where most practitioners, we we lack self-confidence. We tend to think, oh, you know, I'm one person doing something, and the right people will come to me. But in this world, with all the advertising and everything going on, people don't find you the ways they used to anymore. It's not so much of a word-of-mouth business anymore. And so you have to stand up and be noticed, and that's terrifying yeah, I, for a lot of these practitioners. Surreal.
1: Very true. What have you found, uh, or what advice or tips would you have for um, a practitioner who wants to expand themselves into becoming more visible? What are some outlets they could explore, some ways they could step out, some practices they might use?
2: Uh, One thing I highly recommend for pretty much anyone who wants to expand in their life in any way, shape, or form is if you haven't, read The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. I've mentored with Jack Canfield Coaching for several years. It's an integral part of my business now, and it's really great at helping you see where you hold yourself back. Um, I I would look for groups and places to share where people are already in alignment. Maybe it's starting a meetup group that solves a particular problem. Maybe it's uh, attending and participating in a holistic chamber of commerce. Maybe it's finding an association that is in alignment with the work that you do. Maybe it's sponsoring at an event. But getting out there and being more visible even if it's just a small step at a time, is really important. And the other piece of it is is it doesn't have to be real world. It can be in groups on LinkedIn and Facebook. I'll tell you, about 90% of my clients come from LinkedIn that don't come from the nutrition schools and the other coaching schools. So you can really build a practice and build visibility by participating on LinkedIn or Facebook or wherever your client base is hanging out.
1: Yeah, you know, LinkedIn is a very opaque area for a lot of business people in general, mm-hmm. not not just uh, holistic professionals. What and just uh we've got a couple of minutes here, so I just mm-hmm. want to explore specifically what are some things on LinkedIn that you've done that you found to be effective?
2: <laughs> uh, I am a total LinkedIn geek, so I could probably fill about a week's worth of interviews with that. <laughs> um, some of the things that I really suggest doing is when you look at your professional profile, don't list your credentials there. Nobody cares. Think about how people viewing at your profile are thinking, what's in this for me? How can this person help me? So when you say, um, I help stressed out, stay-at-home moms reduce their stress and get their energy back instead of, you know, certified holistic health professional, hypnotherapist, Reiki master. Nobody knows what a lot of that stuff means or how it's going to change their life. But if you say that you can impact a specific group of people in a specific way, it's much more powerful. So don't waste that description area that shows up on the top of your profile with, with the letters behind your name because honestly almost no one cares about the letters. Now if you're you know, a naturopath and you want to have the ND behind your name, fabulous. Do that. People get that. If you're a chiropractor, same thing. If you're a Reiki master, pretty much nobody knows what those letters mean. Holistic health people have all these different letters and you can change them any way you want, right, and nobody cares. So don't worry so much about letters. Think about how you help people and what particular group you want to serve. Way more powerful.
1: And that's so much more comfortable to discuss rather than talking about yourself. Thank you so much, Jana, for joining us uh, here today. And we're going to talk with you more when you come back to the Leadership Couch in our last segment. Thanks a lot.
2: I am so welcome. I'm happy to participate. This is fun. (laughs) Okay, thanks. (laughs) Pam, what are you going to tell us now?
0: Well, I want to share because it's just come out this month. It's the new best-selling book, Mass Influence, The Habits of the Highly Influential. And this is by my friend. I have to admit she is my friend. And four-time. Uh, she's also the four-time best-selling author, Teresa de Grobois. Now, Teresa is consistently named one of the top experts on influence. And Mass Influence is actually one of the best books you can get on explaining step-by-step how influence really works. Because before I met Teresa, I have to admit, it was a mystery. Um So what you'll learn from the book are the top habits high influencers have mastered to finally receive the promotions and raises and also recognition that they deserve. There's also an etiquette that you need to understand to successfully get past any blocks that are keeping you from becoming influential enough to reach your uh, career goals. And she also gets into the top habits to becoming a magnetic go to person in your industry. You know those people at conferences, you just want to be with them. That's what she's talking about. Um she also uh, shares the three steps to create massive word of mouth around your project, your organisation, or the cause that you're wanting to change in the world. And there's also a bonus with the book. there's a thirty day influence challenge. And um, if you go to massinfluencethebook.com, you can check it out there. Now, um, I get the exciting bit next to actually chat with Lisa Jenza, our other guest here today. And I have to say, Lisa has an audacious goal. She wants to detox the world. She is a consultant and trainer for holistic and spa professionals who want to learn about detoxing body treatments. She has formulated a line of products uh, that use, uh, sorry, that are used for mineral body wraps, and she has, be, has training as a health coach, yoga instructor, and meditation teacher. In addition to running a wellness spa in Michigan, she travels to do spa consulting, body wrap training, and speaks to groups on detoxification. Uh, uh, as well, she's starting her own Natural Products podcast series, which will focus on natural health and beauty tips. Uh, So Lisa really does understand uh, the importance of natural health alternatives after suffering from her own health crisis in her 30s, and has helped empower her clients through support, workshops, and treatments. And her programs have actually been featured on many national and international spa magazines. So Lisa, how are you? I'm great, Pam. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, and I love your audacious goal. Les, let's give the whole world an <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, different kind of detox sorry <laughs> um, but but we're actually talking about miracle uh in the zone today, and I guess what it is is with people having such busy lives uh that it's um it can be hard to find that piece of uh, place of peace and restfulness so what I'm gonna ask you know, check in with you is what do you see missing right now, uh, with your clients that come to you initially? You know, is there a common thread on on what's what's causing the toxicity in their lives? And uh, so yeah, share what you've got. Absolutely. So,
3: you know, there's eighty two thousand registered chemicals in use in North America. <laughs> so Did you
0: say eighty uh, two thousand? Eighty two
3: thousand. Uh-huh. Mhm. Wow.
0: <laughs> So
3: with the vast number of chemicals that are now in
0: use, we really
3: can't avoid toxins. Now it's looking for ways to detoxify our life and live a less toxic lifestyle, knowing that we have toxic chemicals all around us. And so one example I give is um, you know, the couch and pillows in your family room used to be made from natural fabrics, cotton, and wool. And now they're made from synthetic fibers. Um, but the chemicals in use are everywhere. So we're taking chemicals in, we're breathing them in, we're taking them in through the skin, and we're also consuming them. So most of our listeners will probably be familiar with genetically modified organisms, which are extremely prevalent here in the United States. So having a lifestyle of detoxification is becoming more important. We are moving too quickly. We are under a lot of stress. That produces additional chemicals in the body. Many of us are familiar with cortisol. Um, women become painfully aware of cortisol when they realize that that's stored a lot as belly fat, <laughs> um, which then tends to increase with age. So detoxification needs to be like brushing our teeth. Whether we're taking a detox bath at home or we're doing dry skin brushing or we're getting massages or body treatments, and there are body treatments that I that I advocate um, and products that I've created, but I also help clients put a program together that they can uh, adhere to, whether that's sauna therapy two days a week, or it's an uh, Epsom salt baking um, baking soda bath that they take two days a week, the use of essential oil, swapping out their household cleaners. Um, I work with clients to put those programs together. I've also been featured for, um, I have a basic program, and I've been featured in a, a lot of spa magazines for that, and I'm now uh, creating some of my own products for some of the body treatments that I that I do offer.
0: Okay, cool. And and you mentioned Epsom salts. My grandmother swore by Epsom salts. She would have like <laughs> half a teaspoon of Epsom <laughs> yeah, salts yeah. in water every day. Um, she also used to make a lemonade with Epsom salts. And uh, we would warn people, don't have more than two glasses. But they didn't always listen because it was very delicious. And it has a great detoxifying effect. I'm just sharing that moment with you. (laughs) It absolutely does, yes. And and for the listeners, too, there is a difference between the Epsom salts you put in your bath and the Epsom salts you might choose to put in lemonade. They're different uh, uh, ones of food quality. Uh, So don't just go grab the Epsom salts in the bathtub. Um, Okay, so... My next question is: What do you see as the most important opportunity for people to create a work-life and spiritual balance? You know, sort of give us some tips. I know we've already mentioned uh, meditation. So, I and for myself, I don't get time to do an hour meditation a day. So I take ten minutes if I'm lucky, and I that's when I center myself and do my thing. So, because um, sometimes people don't even start because they're worried that it's going to be too complicated. So give us some oh, tips how people can integrate it. Yeah,
3: so, uh, you know, I live by uh, Jack Canfield's word, you know, that you can have the power hour. So often I think uh, I don't have time to meditate, exercise, and juice or, you know, prepare my healthy meals for the day. And um, so I think, okay, what can I do in the hour before I leave for work? So if I have the power hour, maybe I can do 10, 20, 10, 10, you know, you, you sort of divide up that power hour because it's really important for us to look at what makes us tick for me, um, food and what I put in my body is the most important thing. So, um, first and foremost, every day I have to juice, uh, that is what gives me my stamina. I know it helps me to detoxify daily. It helps me to maintain my mental clarity. Um, the next thing for me is movement. So even if I just dance for 10 minutes in the morning, you know, I think of uh, Joseph Campbell, follow your bliss. What is it that makes your heart sing? Um, If it's drudgery to get on the treadmill, then don't do it. Because that's causing more stress in your life. It's just causing one more thing for you to have to do, like on your to-do list. So I say, what is it that you love to do that you can't wait to do every day? And for me, it's either yoga or dance. And occasionally, I will jump on the treadmill or I'll go outside for a walk. But what lights me up and what can shift my energy in 10 minutes is dancing, putting on music and dancing. Um, And then... You know, whether that's a bath or a shower or sauna, but come up with what those those things are that make up your routine, um, that give you your grounded and centeredness that you can do on a regular basis. And I don't like things to be cookie-cutter, so I do vary um, what that's like for me each day. I need some variety, <laughs> variety is the of life, um, <laughs> But people can incorporate, and and I come out of corporate. I had 24 years in corporate, and that's what happened to me is I didn't incorporate the things that were necessary. I allowed stress to take over, and at 36 I was told I was a heart attack waiting to happen. Um, I was working swing shift over 100 hours a week um, in a very high-stress information technology job. And I had to make the changes in my life to turn my health around. And so now I coach people. I have a lot of busy professionals. I had one in this morning um, already, and, and I work with them to come up with what is your power hour? How are you going to take care of yourself?
0: Yeah, I lean towards I need another hour of sleep. <laughs> <laughs> it's my power hour. I'll have an afternoon nap. Um, okay, and, and, sometimes,
3: and, and sometimes that is what people need, and I'll have people mm-hmm. come in for treatment, and the first hour we do sauna therapy, and I tell them this is prayer or meditation time, or if you need the nap, take it, because if that's what you need, take it. But I will also say that sometimes in the morning when we say we need the extra hour of sleep, we'll find that we're more energized if we get up and we do those other things. For me, I know if I do the juicing and the dancing, I will have more energy than if I slept another hour.
0: Okay. Um also, how would you deal with? I call it monkey brain. Uh, it's also I've also heard it called chitty britty The idea is, you know, you're in your you're in your sauna, and your brain won't shut off. You're doing the lists. It's like, oh yeah, I've got to remember to send that email, and oh, did I did I remember to send that? Do that? Did that checklist get finished? And so I'm sitting there, and you know, it might be a half an hour in the sauna, and I'm spending 25 minutes of it thinking about all the things that I should have could have and would have done. How do you shut that yes, off? It's almost like you've come to see me before, but I know you haven't. <laughs> <No>.
3: <laughs> because um I don't allow people to work on lists when they're here. And I'll tell you I was No, would I'm just looking in them. my head. Like this is a mental list yeah. shutting the brain off. Exactly. That's exactly right. And I was that person because you know I I built General Motors Network so I constantly had a list of things that had to be done and so I couldn't ever shut it off and that caused the chronic fatigue and chronic stress. And a lot of my health issues So when people walk in my door here I tell them they have to leave the past in the past And the future in the future And they, while they're here They have to be in the present moment with me And I look people directly in the eyes I make them get very present with me And we talk about no list. When I leave them in the sauna I tell them it's prayer, meditation or nap time But no <laughs> oh, next. It is a discipline It is a discipline And mm-hmm. when you learn this discipline Yoga is a great teacher for this Um, meditation, I didn't think I could meditate. I'm a type A personality, very high strung. Um, You've met me. I'm very energetic. (laughs) You Um, are very energetic. (laughs) So getting me to slow down, to sit down, is a challenge. Um, But I can tell you that uh, your health improves. Mental clarity improves, creativity improves, and it truly is just a discipline to say, I know I have a million things to do, and I'm going to acknowledge that I have a million things to do, but in this moment, I want to be very present and allow my body to relax. And in yoga, at the end of our yoga practice, we talk about shavasana, and that's really a corpse pose that's allowing the body to heal. When we go into meditation or we have the discipline to um, shut off monkey mind or basically ignore the monkey mind to let it rest come to a rest we're allowing the body to heal
0: okay very well, cause, important. Uh, cause, yeah because we have a lot of business leaders listening to the show um, how can doing this benefit their work life Oh, people usually get help or benefit their home life but not necessarily the work life Oh, it tremendously improves work life The increase
3: in productivity and creativity is amazing. Um, I teach a workshop that says, wouldn't you love to have two more hours in every day? (laughs) And the business people that come out say, how are you going to give me two more hours in the day? And it's by taking that power hour and figuring out what it is that your body needs to be in balance. It's detoxing your body, your life, and your business. So when we start this, mentality of I'm going to take away the things that no longer serve me, you can see where this has a much bigger um, effect than just taking, you know, altering our food or our exercise. We start looking at things in business, too, that no longer serve us. If there's something toxic, let it go. This even includes toxic clients. So on a very basic level, I am saying that through taking your power hour and taking care of your health and your body, you will have more creativity. You will have more productivity. Just by juicing every day, I found so much more mental clarity that I had at least two hours more a day in productivity. But as you expand this out, you'll get into the mindset of what
0: is causing me to feel toxic or stressed. So what about it needs to change? Okay. No, I got it, and I, I'm I'm really clear too because a lot of people think you know they have a coach for uh you know to do their exercise with. They have a health coach, they have a business coach, but I can see how you've kind of encapsulated all of it together. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, uh, and we've got like 30 seconds here. Can you give me? Well, actually, you've given it to me all, I guess. So, uh I want to thank you for coming in and for those who are on uh listening if you'd like to find out more about Lisa go to the new com and you'll find out more there. Uh also just so you know all the links that we mentioned in the show will be shown uh on our website so you'll be able to find it, find all the information there so you can catch up with everyone.
1: So, that's Gina. awesome. Wow, that's some yeah. great stuff there. Yeah. I've written down well,
0: the power hour,
1: to be honest. The <laughs> power hour. That's brilliant. Yeah, i d I'm giving you a high five from over here, Lisa, because you know, I that's that's my morning too. It's like, All right, let's make it happen. Set it up. Yeah. <laughs> the Absolutely. kids and everything, you know what you gotta do. What you gotta do. Now something else that I'd love for our listeners to consider is uh, one of our co hosts, Jill Fisher, has a technique in hypnotherapy that is so effective you will see your hopes wishes and goals come to fruition i've seen it i've experienced it it is amazing this powerful work bypasses all that chatter in our minds that we deal with on a daily basis and gets to the real roots of the issues i've personally worked with jill and noticed results in my productivity in my mood my happiness level and even one session i was i was seriously impressed (laughs) so you can go to www.powerfulhypnotherapy.com for a free consultation with Jill to help you reset your mind and finally get the success you've always wanted Pam how about you
0: well I'm wanting to find out if people have an important message or project that should reach a broad audience and just so you know, the fastest way to do to do that is by connecting you with people who really get your message out there. Now we have ignite your business with Wildfire Academy free training. It's called Flame to Fame, and that's in four weeks. Like you can take long to do the course, but really it's designed to be completed in four weeks, and it takes you step by step through a proven strategy and how to get connections and endorsements from highly influ- influential people in your field moving from local word of mouth to wildfire epidemics. So you can sign up at wildfireacademy.com. And now, Tina, you've got something to share.
1: Well, if you are just joining us, well, back it up. You need to listen from the beginning if you're just joining us now. (laughs) Back it up. But uh, we are here with our guests, Jenna Beeman and Lisa Genza, talking about leadership in the Miracle Zone. And uh, now it's time for our leadership couch. So if you haven't already, grab a glass of wine or a cup of tea and sit back and we're just going to uh, have a little bit of a chat here. Uh, I have actually been having a conversation just today, as a matter of fact, on Facebook about a particular topic that I'd love to, for you to chime in on. And uh, speaking of the the world of personal development, uh, miracles, law of attraction, all of those things have come up today. Holistic, the holistic world. There are a lot of uh, leaders in in the personal development world, uh, people who we would maybe call them, you know, shining lights, gurus, you know that the, that whole world. And uh, I talked with uh, quite a few people in that arena. And here's something that I have um, noticed, and want to know if you guys have noticed the same thing: that uh, there's a lot of folks out there who have very powerful messages to give and in conversation with them or in interacting with them they are determined to deliver that message however it doesn't make them very good listeners <laughs> what you did so if you guys have you guys noticed this at all with uh that some of these folks who are extremely enlightened or awakened aren't really enlightened or awakened enough to know that their eyes are glazing over
2: yes <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> And I think part of the problem is so many of these people they, they have these evolutionary thoughts within themselves, and maybe they don't come from a coaching background where you're trained to listen, and maybe they're more concerned about sharing it than to even receive feedback.
1: Yeah, I would I would agree with that as well, Lisa or, or, or uh, Pam. Have either yeah. of you had this experience?
2: Yeah. I, I oh yeah.
1: Also...
3: I also feel that um, several of the um, people that I surround myself with are on, I I sense a different plane of consciousness. And um, sometimes the more evolved they are, they don't necessarily communicate well to those who have not reached those levels of consciousness. (laughs) I had a a close friend of mine tell me the other day, she can now see when people are coming from their head or from their heart.
0: Mm -hmm. And when they're
3: speaking from their head, she said she can no longer listen. She said, if they're not coming from their heart, I cannot stay engaged in the conversation with them.
2: I absolutely agree with that. And I think part of what happens is that sometimes these, these evolutionary thoughts, they come to your head first and they start spouting them before they've had a chance to really embody it, to really bring it into the heart and into the spiritual level. And they often are... Way more concerned about sharing everything they thought of than to to really see how other people are reacting to it,
3: yeah, I would say though that some of the some of my closest friends are very concerned though that they're that they're not understood because they are mm-hmm. speaking like a different language now they're they're very deep into the healing profession mm-hmm. they're they've become very intuitive, very very sensitive. And um and they can't find the words anymore to express to yeah. people.
1: It's so almost like they need clue. a translator. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh-huh.
0: And for myself what I find is if people keep repeating the same thing they're feeling that they're not being heard. Right. Right? So it's 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 sometimes you know you're a busy day and it's like well, you get to the point, but they repeat it because they really haven't got the validation from you know whoever they're talking to. Correct. That, okay, I got what you're saying. I don't have to agree. You don't have to agree with it, and and you know, but you just say, okay, I get it. I you. This is what you're saying, and when they finally say yes, then you can move on to something else. Because uh, mm-hmm. sometimes that's part of the your eyes glaze over because it's a repetitive message. Well, so, and
1: yeah, part it, of it, it too. It's a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In person, it's a lot easier because you can use physical cues to kind of bring people back into yeah. their bodies. Yeah. <laughs> you mean Savannah, smack upside the hip? No, well, <laughs> no. I mean, I, am, I do have those Italian grandmother tendencies, but I try to keep them under control. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> uh, you know what were you saying?
2: So the the thing that I see, too, is that sometimes they're trying to get their message across to the wrong audience. You know, they're speaking to people in kindergarten when they are at the master's level, and they need to be maybe speaking to people in the university level instead of the kindergartners, because as we move down our path of growth and evolution, our languaging changes and our connectivity changes, and really the people we're meant to most serve are those who are close around us in that same area. And if we try to speak to the kindergartners, We have to completely change our languaging, and most of them are not capable of doing that. I see it all the time with coaches and practitioners especially, because as you learn more and new evolved things and you come up with ways of explaining it to your peers, you know, you come up with this seventh dimension and all these things that a kindergartner doesn't understand what that means. So how can they understand what you're trying to tell them? So a lot of times I think that some of the people that are, are are having these breakthroughs are speaking to people who can't understand their language at all. So they either need to shift who they're speaking to or they need to um go back and take a kindergarten languaging class.
3: <laughs> yeah, I would completely agree with that. It it represents the div- different levels of consciousness that mm-hmm. we're seeing right now and so there's often a disconnect. And you put that very well. My life coach would say sometimes putting pearls before swine. Right. So, you know, watching the messaging and watching the audience.
2: Yeah, and and it's not that the audience can't take it in. It's that they can't take it in in that form. Right. And one of the things that I've learned through all my years of teaching at the different coaching schools is that jargon and, Mm. you know, that particular vocabulary that we develop as we immerse ourselves in something is the wall between understanding and not understanding And so when we can release the jargon and just explain in clear language what we're talking about, then all of a sudden we can talk to the kindergartners again. So it's a choice. Some people choose to hold on to the jargon because it makes them feel more important, and those people are still in their head. But when they move into their heart, then I think that the languaging becomes unimportant.
1: Yeah, that's interesting, and we also, you know, that run the risk. We always run the risk as experts, regardless of field or, or where we are, of, um, well, intentionally or unintentionally, depending on the person, appearing as condescending. hmm And that is something that, um, um, it, you know, it certainly requires responsibility on our parts in speaking to the listening uh, mm-hmm. of whoever whoever we're, we're talking. Talking with, or, or talking, uh, hopefully talking with rather than talking to, um, right. as, as the case as the case may be. <laughs> um, now, uh, I have a question for the both of you. Um, in terms of what you are up to in your in your own journeys, um, what have been kind of a, um, a leadership lesson, uh, good, bad, or ugly, that has been something uh, kind of a recent development for you, or something you've learned? in the last year or so. Do you want to go first, First, Jana? Go ahead. Oh, yeah, go
2: oh, ahead. oh, sure. I mean, that's a, that's a good one. And, you know, honestly, one of the things that I do is I put myself in, out there in a very vulnerable way. And I tell people my worst stories and I share my worst moments. And every now and then I get whacked upside the head for it. Mm-hmm. And, The hard part for me, because I am highly sensitive, and of course all feedback is personal for highly sensitives, right, was to take a step back and see what people were actually reacting to was that my stories were too personal to them. And so maybe they're not the people I need to be speaking to. So finding those ways to take a step back and not react from that place of hurt when someone pushes back and being able to hold my space and say, you know, I know that what I'm doing is in the right place here. And even though a couple people don't like it, I'm okay. Instead of going into the, oh, I'm wrong, I'm bad, I'm doing everything wrong, I have to start all over, which so many of us spiral into, right?
1: (laughs) It's easy to be automatically triggered into that place for sure. Pam or Lisa, was there anything, anything for you in that realm?
3: That really um, resonated with me, Jana. So thank you so much because I am working on the vulnerability and putting myself out there. Um, mm-hmm. For me, my biggest leadership lesson has actually been the art of surrender um, because I can make things happen, but it's not always uh, in the highest and best interest of all. And I mm-hmm. I have been tested uh, tremendously this last couple of years with the development of the products for my industry and what happened with um those who even founded this industry, the bod- the original body wrap industry. And um and I knew that this was a mission of mine, but I kept trying to make things happen which exhausted me. And it really is about co creation and surrendering and being heart led instead of uh, trying to figure things out in my head. It it's really been the most challenging leadership lesson to date. And I've you know, I was a leader in corporate America and IT and I've started six businesses, but um, part of my spiritual journey has been to to learn the art of co-creation and how and when to surrender. And, and it's been a profound year for me.
1: Yeah, that, I'm resonating with that one, Lisa, very, very much. Yeah, it's being someone who's used to being uh, a doer and going and, like, making things happen, there is that space of, oh, when I actually have to stop and allow other things to fill in and listen or you know wait god forbid yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm with you on that one the waiting thing
0: it's not that i'm impatient it's just you
1: know yes no no we're not impatient we're just really really fast creators and the world has to keep up with us (laughs) exactly (laughs) exactly uh lisa and jenna thank you so much for joining us here today do you have a good time Absolutely awesome! Thank you. Very cool. Very (laughs) very cool. Well, you have to remember uh, that you can visit with our guests Jenna and Lisa on their websites, and you can find the link to that in here in the show, and also in the show notes at theevolvingleadershow.com. Get all the show notes about. Everything we talked about today, you're going to be able to find the links for everything in this show. So guess what? If you were taking notes, you didn't have to. We're there for you. We've got it handled. So you don't have to worry about any of that. Uh, We are always here at the Evolving Leader Show every week at uh, Friday nights and also on demand at Blog Talk Radio. You can head on over there, check it out. We'll see you next week with our next set of amazing leaders sharing with you all that they've got and uh, all that they are so that you can evolve as a leader as well. We're so grateful to have you as listeners. Thank you to everyone who's contributing today on the Evolving Leader Show. Thanks for joining us today on Evolving Leaders from EBC Radio. And remember, the adventure has just begun. Get all the resources from today's show at theevolvingleadershow.com. And join us again next week where Leaders of Vision inspired you to transform your ideas into reality.